Thank you for listening to Men Talk Ubuntu podcast and being a valued member of our community. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram and other social media now for access to our latest updates. DM us and let us know what your mental health is on a scale of one to five. Thank you. So this thing about vulnerability is a huge problem. If you want a relationship, if you want a healthy relationship, but you're one of these people, I do it all by myself. I do it all by myself. I do it by myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need anyone. I can do it all. It's just me, there's me and there's me. That's great, but you can't have a relationship with somebody else if that's your philosophy. Because you've got to show some vulnerability to let them in. So just two types of resilience. One is to survive. And the other is to get beyond that. And when you get beyond that, different doors open. You can be creative. You can follow that music career. You can get your education. You can have healthy relationships with yourself, with other people. It's just getting to a better place. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I spoke I to you. What, yeah, what was it oh, a lot what, of it spoke what? to me. But so it, it was speaking to me personally, and then I was okay. also thinking in my role for today. As okay. Well. And because it it relates to that point you were making about the healer saying to you, for example, that you might be going, 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 and your body will create the problem for you. It will because. Although it might feel like this isn't, this, that sounds counterintuitive. Why would my own body attack me? And it's like, because it knows you need to sit down. You need to stop. Yeah. And it will do that for you. Whereas yeah. if you're going through okay, and you've got a bit of the sway yeah. of the balance, it will give you everything you need to keep pushing, pushing and pushing yeah. all the way through. And I think that surviving one, such, such a key thing. And confidence is something that comes with it the, the confidence to be adventurous and just to seek opportunities that doesn't necessarily come and that other the other element that spoke to me was how when you're aware of all of these different things mm -hmm. that do affect you because it's it's very interesting that idea that we can do more mm -hmm. And when we really think about what's stopping us, maybe it's self-sabotage, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. it's the fear, well, fear of success, fear of anything, fear of I'll do it and I'll fail, how mm -hmm. will people perceive me, all those things. Those are things, for example, I'm grappling with to this day right now. And thankfully, I think I'm making good progress and I'm mm -hmm. breaking through. But I, I appreciate how when also when you start to break through and change, you start to notice that your interactions with other people change and therefore mm -hmm. their perceptions of you change. So you're going around thinking, oh, this is great. I'm not going through that existential angst anymore. And they're going, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know who you are. Like, you're not who you are. You're behaving yeah. in a way that I don't expect. And all the things that you were doing in order to survive, when you start to move away from those, yeah. some people have a concern. And I also remember you spoke about this internal world idea that comes with resiliency. And I don't know if that's because you almost need to have your own bubble for you do. a while mentally. You do. To harvest these thoughts, ideas, directions, 
before you share them, before other people burst your bubble. You know? uh, so I know you wanted, you were going to potentially maybe touch on that a bit more, and then I'm sure we can explore a bit more about uh, the internal world initially. That comes with Oh, resilience. yeah. One, one of the things that I think I found difficult and people who come to see me have found difficult is they're so happy in their internal world and it, it goes along with the self-sufficiency you know there's a there's a phrase called compulsive self-reliance where you just I'm doing it I'm doing it I'm not asking for help I'm doing I've got this because to ask for help you have to make yourself vulnerable and that's a very difficult thing to do and it may be difficult to do because you've asked for help in the past and you haven't had it or you've asked for help and people have manipulated you or they've said they'll help you, but they've made it conditional and you just kind of give up asking for help. And so that internal world can be a tremendous resource. And this is the other thing, I don't make judgments about people's resilience. So I don't say that's good resilience and that's bad resilience. I say, okay, um, put it on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, something like your strong internal world as a child, that was a resource, a tremendous resource. You know, when you were getting beaten or shouted out or whatever was going on that was horrible for you, you could go to your room, get on your bed and go into your internal world. It was a tremendous resource. But as you get older and you want to open up to other people and have relationships, that's now becoming a threat. OK, it's still a resource, but in some situations it's a threat. So we say they go side by side, some of these things. So, for example, if your way of surviving was to fight, physically fight, you know, in the yeah. care system, there's a lot of physical violence. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of physical violence. So what, one of my things was, was, to, was to physically fight, verbally fight. And that works. You know, if, if, if the other very troubled child that you live with is giving you a hard time, you've you got to shout louder than them, especially if you're smaller, to shut up. You know, and that's great, but as an adult in a professional environment, it's not going to work. You can't, <laughs> you can't be shouting at your boss, you know, you can't be shouting at your colleagues. And that's, that's something that I think some people find really painful to change is those kinds of um, the things that were good in the environment they, they arose in are very hard to change later on. You know, when when someone's having a go at you and those people who just explode, you know, they're just like from naught to a hundred, bang, you know. There's no calibration. There's no in between. Mm. You know, because they're triggered. Um, they're just triggered so badly. So, yeah, but I but, you know, I would also say to somebody like if you grew up and fighting was how you had to do it. We're not going to throw that away. You know, I'm not I'm not going to say to a young black man, you know. You're never gonna fight again. You're never gonna use your fists again. Because he's a young black guy. Why would I take that away? Why would I take that away from him? Because we all know that the, he, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's gonna need that. So we put it in the box, the resilience box. But when we're in the workplace, we try and find something else rather than the naught to 100 explosion. Yeah, add to your toolkit. It can, go, it can go into your res one. resilience yeah. box, but there's times when we're not going to use it, okay? It's not going to be useful at some times, but you are going to use it at other times. So it's like, I think what, what I really loved about resilience and what I really love about my approach to it, it's not judgmental. 
there's no judgment. You know, I, I remember somebody coming to see me and they used to stand over me and shout and act out all the violent things they'd ever done in their life. <laughs> there was a lot, there was a lot, there was a lot. And I was just like, I was just sitting there thinking, wow, you need to just let this out. And this is why you're still alive. Wow, so much violence. Wasn't threatened personally. I never felt threatened personally. Just knew that this stuff had to come out, you know. Um, and so I, I love the fact that it's not judgmental. Oh, the worst thing you're ever going to hear me say is, is that useful right now? That's probably the strongest thing I'm going to say. Do you think that's useful now? Can we put that away and maybe dig around and perhaps put some more things in the box? Yeah. And I think often people's reaction to some of these recommendations or these situations is like you were suggesting before. They've tried to express it in a certain way. And it's not, they've not been asked, is that useful right now? They've been told something very different, which probably put them even more on the defensive and maybe shame. double down shame guilt shame. yeah insulting shame. them as well like what kind of person does that it, it brings shame but it's also an insult so it affects you and how you feel about yourself and see yourself and this is why I also am a big advocate of you know seeing working with a professional to help you like you said, oh yeah process because yes. your friend isn't going to know <laughs> to, say, to provide that kind of space or recommendation they simply don't have the tools. So no. you need someone who knows how to navigate the conversation mm -hmm. in that way sometimes. And you just to learn the questions to ask yourself as well. And one question I, I think... need to ask. Sorry, sorry, no, jump, <laughs> no, jump, jump. No, oh, I please, was going to say, if, yeah. if the, the most important thing in your toolbox, in your resilience toolbox, is self-awareness. When you get to the point where you can see yourself with other people and hear yourself with other people, that's a huge turning point. That self-awareness changes everything. Because before that, you're just running around like a blind person. You just don't know what you're doing. But once you, you can hear the words coming out of your mouth and go, oh, that sounds harsh, or I sound like a victim, or I sound like a perpetrator. Oh. Once you can hear yourself and see yourself, that level of awareness is probably, you're probably halfway there. You're halfway there. Wonderful. The only other question I was going to initially ask, because I'm loving the conversation and I got lost in having a great time, <laughs> is how many more minutes do I have you for? How? What time is it? It's eight to five. Oh, we can go till we can go till half five. It's fine. Okay. It's so only because yes, I know it's going to take me two days to come down again. Okay. And that's why I give everybody like a time limit because I know how long it takes me to, because after this, I'll be like, <laughs> It'll, like I can feel all the light bulbs lighted up and they'll stay lit until, yeah. you know, until I go and do some cooking quietly. I was just and about the, to ask what's your bulbs, method for- The light bulbs will start to turn off. <laughs> that's the dimmer switch cook you know i'll let me i'll let you in on the secret i think we're very alike <laughs> i'm going to be baking brownies <laughs> there you go there you go because i knew so i've got there all the go. ingredients set up and so it, it'll be there's no phone i've got the ingredients all i have to do is follow That's the instructions it. 
That's and it. then once I put them in the oven, I've had a good few minutes. That's it. Calm down. Then that's I can it. think about what to do next. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. Cooking is grounding. Definitely. Yeah. And it's the self-awareness. You need to know what works for you. Yeah. Might not work for someone else. They might get stressed yeah. out about doing that. I'm very new to baking. So, <laughs> so it's, it's cool. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And, oh, okay. So are there, initially, are there some common elements or that are let's say we'll start with trauma and then we'll move to resiliency and then I think we'll, I'd love to still touch on vulnerability and then we might move into mm -hmm. uh, the song we spoke about as well off off the, the podcast so when it comes to trauma are there specific let's say com common traumatic experiences or events that people have that they tend to overlook that they wouldn't address or label as trauma but they then, like you say, manifest later on and perhaps have blindsided them sometimes. Oh, I come across it all the time. Um, so a big part of what you do in therapy is something called reframing. Yes. So people go through life with their own framework of like, this was this and that was that. You know, like my uncle was in Afghanistan, so that's trauma. Me seeing my brother getting stabbed, that's not trauma, you know. But in therapy, we reframe. So we reframe and we might then say, you know, really, you, you seeing your friend getting stabbed, that's, I would say, that's, ooh, I would probably go, that sounds traumatic. And then over time, the person will go, do you know what? I think that was traumatic. That was traumatic, wasn't it? You know, but we can go through life really thinking and one of the reasons that, reasons that we don't think something's traumatic is we just don't want to tell ourselves that it was that something was that bad you know it's like if i just put it in that little box i can manage it but if i open the box and really look at it for what it really was i don't know whew, i'd have to really deal with that you know so i think that's another reason why we don't frame things in the way they perhaps you know should be so I think it can be anything and I think it can be incredibly unique. What, what somebody finds traumatic, another person genuinely might not. They genuinely might not find that same thing traumatic, but they would have their own version of what was traumatic. Yeah. But a lot of the work I do is, is people saying, you know, that they will sit in a first session and list a whole lot of things that have happened to them in this kind of deadpan voice, like, no, no, and then, no, no, no. and I'm there like, oh, that's like 10 major traumatic things. And then, you know, maybe we'll look at them one by one and eventually they'll go, that was a lot of trauma, wasn't it? That was a lot of trauma, you know? But I think it's like a defense mechanism. Part of our resilience are our, are our psychological defenses. And my number one, my favorite one is denial. And denial gets us a long way because when we deny something psychologically, we don't have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. But eventually it kind of wriggles its way to the surface. And so you talked about an existential crisis in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s. Those are the kinds of things, all the worms emerge at the same time in your brain. And then you have to go and get some professional help because you just can't understand why you feel so bad all of a sudden. So put it back on the resilient spectrum. At the time it happens to you, probably stopped you freaking out. 
But if you don't process it, you're going to have the freak out at some point, just, just later. Mm. Mm. It sort of goes into the bottle of the carbonated drinks bottle, but eventually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and something will shake it up, you know, yeah. a, a, a simple thing like having a child, another trauma, um, losing a job, something else can just start that process and then getting to a safe place. A lot of people say, I'm at a good place in my life. I'm married. I've got kids. Everything's going well. But all this old stuff is surfacing. Yeah, because you feel safe now. You feel safe enough to maybe tackle it and look at it and explore it. Right. So there's an element of when things become stable and safe, some of those old things start to crop up now because there's nothing else stacked up that's in the way and now yeah. you have to either face them or if you try and put them away you've got a different kind of problem because now yeah. it's like it's at the forefront yeah probably even the person you're with can see there's something that you want to communicate about but you're not able to and because yeah. you're not able to again that might change a lot of your relationships once again yeah. Ooh. your relationships will change if you go into therapy your relationships will change and it's a bit like, I, you know, and it's going to sound really cliche, but I love that song, I'll See You When You Get There. Yes. If you ever get there. And that really explains what happens to a lot of people when they get self-awareness through therapy or any other route. You leave people behind. You don't shut the door because the song is saying, I'll see, I'm hoping you get to where I'm now. I really hope you will. But just for this moment, I've got to go forwards. I'm being propelled forward so I'm gonna have to leave you behind for a bit I'm hoping it's just for a bit and it's a very beautiful song and a very sad song because it it might be that they don't catch you up eventually you know and that does happen the, the more we grow and the more we develop and evolve th there are people that might get left behind and that's really sad but it's kind of like do they hold you back you know the film Goodwill Hunting? Yes, yes. Like, I love that film because his friend said from the beginning, you shouldn't be here with us. You're better than this. And one day I'm going to turn up to your house and you're not going to be there. That's such an expression of unconditional friendship. Yeah. Because when he turns up and he's not there, he doesn't get angry. He's like, great, he's gone. He's happy. He's so happy for He's him. gone. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for my friend. That's genuine friendship. That's unconditional friendship. Yeah. I would, yeah. I mean, I just, that's the only kind of friend I want, really. Because <laughs> like I say, some people will hold you back. Like, they will hold you back. Staying where you're at in order to just back. enjoy your presence. Whereas if they truly want you to flourish and do all that they see or that you have in you they should be pushing you and they should be pushing you and it'll be the same it'll be vice versa you're pushing them and like you say hopefully i'll see you when you get there i'll see you and when you get it there. might be oscillating they might be ahead then you're ahead and if it's a healthy and good relationship it's a it's a nice little dance like no one is under the pressure of always having to be one one step ahead or anything like that it's just natural that life as we move through it shift and before we move into this idea of shifting and identities because i think they shift as we go along 
I'd like us to initially also listen to the song that we discussed, uh, which I've just fallen in love with. <laughs> yeah, I think we should play it. If it was like, if it was like, if this was like my Desert Island discs, yeah, I would just play that ten times. We'd like, can I have that ten times, please? <laughs> Let me. I just, I gotta say, like anyone who listens to this, <laughs> at least it's true for me. I can honestly, hand on heart, say it's absolutely true for me. I have been playing it on a loop, and yeah. I have been playing it as I walk and everywhere. It's a very contemplative song. It's a very relaxing song, but it's also a very deep and moving song in some of the topics that are covered in such a short span of time. And also very entertaining all the same to some yeah. extent. It's, I'll play the song. <laughs> Let's play the song. Let them hear the song. That's the, that's the best way I can say. And then we might move forward and talk more. Oh, rewind selector. The song. <laughs> <laughs> I should have introduced the song. The song is, is Trap Phone by Berwin. Trap Phone by Berwin. Enjoy. Wow. I was gone. I was gone. <laughs> as was i like oh. i said you just get lost in the lyrics oh what a gift what a gift to share thank uh, you thank you i just thought i'm gonna ask you know i just think this so everyone should know that that song exists everybody absolutely. should be aware of that song absolutely uh so I hadn't come across Berwin before you introduced me to him. And it's, I mean, it's fascinating. He's talking so much about the experiences a lot of, especially say mm -hmm. young black men experience, but not just young black men, young white men, young Asian men, young men in general. Mm -hmm. He's talking about parts of the song are talking about the experience on the ground lived, mm -hmm. you know, in the cold face, like the outcome of some mm. of the actions that we might just hear about when we watch mm. the news and how we can get sort of desensitized to it. And even when we were speaking about this element of powerlessness and children being taken off parents and that sort of thing, his story and his journey is also one that yeah. it, it begs belief almost, you know? Yeah. So he's in the care system. When he's mentioning that he was going to visit his mom in jail, it's, immigration related and because you might think because of the title of the song you might misinterpret what that's what that means mm -hmm. and what's going on there it's a very mm -hmm. sad accounting of what can happen mm -hmm. with the system sometimes mm -hmm. you know it, it just shared it beautifully I mean <laughs> it we also spoke about unconditional friendship there mm -hmm. and that's some of what is being expressed mm -hmm. in this entire song mm -hmm. so communicating about his relationship with his friend here and this wanting the friend to also do better and to aspire and go on for better greater things yeah same as he's done and thankfully I suppose he's found a way to navigate mm -hmm. the the system and to not the way that he would have liked so, you know initially like going to university mm -hmm. and everything but he still managed it and it's mm -hmm. such a wonderful story wonderful example of resilience 
and a wonderful way of showing how the traumas we experience can still be of great benefit and become a great source of our power and revealing our true potential to the entire world and hopefully being rewarded for it. What are your thoughts about the song, Yvonne? Thank you for listening to Mentor Ubuntu podcast and being a valued member of our community. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram, and other social media now for access to our latest updates. DM us and let us know what your mental health is on a scale of one to five. Take care. Everything that you've just said, and I think it also covers everything we've talked about. I think there's something about that he's trying to get off the survival level. Berwin is trying to get off the survival level. He's trying to fulfill his unique potential. And you can't do that till you get off the survival level. And I think, like I said, the traumas I went through, they're useful now. They, they've given me a gift. It's the same for Berwin. He's able to write these songs, you know. It, it's, it's incredible if you can make, mm, harness that and focus that. I think the saddest part for me is a bit about mothers, because obviously I'm a mother and a grandmother. And I spent 25 years in Bristol. So, so where my house was, there was like one road in that, that was St Paul's. So I was kind of like in it, but like looking at it, I like literally was looking at it. You could look up the road from my house and that was St Paul's. So, you know, some of the, some of the young people I've known since they were like 10, it's really sad seeing what's happened to some of them. Some of them are dead. Some of them are dead. Some, some of them have committed suicide. Some of them have been killed. Um, some of them have been to prison. Most, have made it through you know they've actually made it through but i think the saddest thing for for, for black mothers and and the, the mothers of of children who get in, get into a criminal lifestyle is is how do you keep your face in public like you know i used to go to the doctors and i'd see the mothers of certain people and i knew what their boys were up to but you don't have that conversation. You talk around it like, oh yeah, they've got, you know, got another grandchild or you, you're just kind of constantly trying to find something positive in that because I think the pain for a mother to give birth to these children, to these sons. And, you know, when you have a child, you, your hopes, your expectations are high. Every parent wants their child to be a doctor. If they tell you anything different, they're liars. Every parent wants to turn around one day and say, my child's a doctor, you know, and the aspirations are high. And, uh, and then, you know, to, to watch, to watch your, your boys and it's girls as well now, but to watch them lose their innocence, give mm. up on those goals. And then you start to give up on them as well. That's pain. That's pain right there. That's pain to see your children slip further and further away from the life you imagine for them. That's pain, that's real pain. And, and when he describes that, um, going to see my mom in prison. I used to work in a prison. I used to work in a young, young offenders prison. And um, I, I, I can't imagine, I was horrible enough working there, but to have to go there and visit See your child, you know, in a place like that. But your mum to visit to visit your mum in a prison as a child must be that's trauma. That's trauma. 
you know, and then and then he's saying to his friends later on in the song, like, okay, I, I, I'm singing about the trauma of my mum being in prison, but you're gonna flip that around. And if you carry on like this, your mum's gonna be visiting you in prison, you know, like that's just pain, just, just pain. Just and that, pain. that again, that element of, you can see what your mom's going through and how powerless she is in her situation and how powerless you are to change that situation. And you see your friend's mom working so hard mm. to try and make a difference for your friend's life and mm. for him to seemingly take that for granted. Mm. Whereas like, she doesn't have to necessarily, you know, and she could be taking a very different approach. It's like she's working the front desk, just trying to feed her children yeah it's and i i commend him on that because it's not a conversation many people would have i think a lot of people would have friends behaving in that manner but they'll never address it they'll never check it that I, I would say they'll carry on and like you say we might talk around it a bit but they would never point it out in this way in this regard because often it's hard it's one of those things where you know, you just get told probably to shut up and mind your business, you know, yeah, it's also a very yeah. sensitive topic. It, uh, it, it, you know, it's that whole thing. There's like, there's so many conversations you do not have in that type of community. You don't ask people, <laughs> you don't ask people, you, you know, I, it makes me laugh if I go to like a dinner party and it's all very white middle class and people say, what do you do? You never ask people that in this other community, these other communities. You never say, what do you do? What do your parents do? You'd never ask those questions. Yeah. Because you you don't you don't ask those questions. You don't ask those questions. This is kind of blanket assumption that I'm just not going to ask that. Because yeah. I don't know what the answer might be. So I'm not going to ask. And there's that theme of a hidden identity coming out. Um, but what what thoughts do you have then on, on identity or what, what are things we should be mindful of? Because you've worked with a lot of people who are facing some challenges with it or facing an experience of or how other people are perhaps experiencing their identity and how that's affecting them. Or how they're I think, it. yeah, yeah oh, it's such a, it's such a, I learn something every day. I'm, I'm learning every day, you know, uh, but I think, I think my, cause I do write, I write, mostly on the mixed race experience. Partly because it's an area that not even black therapists address. There's like nothing, okay? There's nothing. So unless mixed race people write it, there isn't gonna be anything. So one of the reasons why I write about it is because neither white therapists nor black therapists address the mixed race experience. So I think my understanding for mixed race people is it's like a tug of war. It's like a constant tug of war where you're either asked to be black or you're asked to be white. But it's very rare. I've never met, a, I've, I've, I've very rarely met a mixed race person. They do exist, and I have heard of them, that say their parents got the balance right or the environment around them got the balance right. And, and I, I'm very happy to hear that. But the, obviously the people coming to see me wouldn't be coming if that had happened. So they've either been brought up to be black or they've been brought up to be white which means there's a whole half of you that's been suppressed, been, been, been pushed down, that has no expression, that there's some shame about. So if you're not 
encouraged to be white, there's some shame about being white. If you're not being encouraged to be black, there's some, you, you're given a sense of shame about your blackness. So it's like a constant tug of war most of your life. And then I think where my clients end up eventually is like at least able to say, I'm not gonna wait anymore to be told who I am. I'm gonna start trying to work that out for myself. I'm gonna say what I think I am and I'm not gonna take sides anymore. I'm not gonna take sides anymore. It's like being asked to take sides your whole life. And if you don't clearly declare which side you're taking, then assumptions are made about you. So it's a bit like, it's a bit like trench warfare. If you imagine trench warfare, so you've got both sides digging in the trenches. So you've got the black side here and the white side here. There's all the mixed race people running down no man's land, you know, <laughs> like running down no man's <laughs> land. Like, oh, stop pulling me over here and stop pulling me over there. And, and the, the, the pressure is immense because while you're running down no man's land, they're trying to pull you. No, you've got to be on our side. Or they no, you have to be on our side. And so they're running along in no man's land and it's a dangerous place because you know there's crossfire. You can get a stray yeah. bullet. Yeah. You might wander on the landmine. You know, this is a dangerous place for mixed race people. It's dangerous. But I think there's something else about no man's land where you can find a quiet spot and go, do you know what? I'm going to work out who I invite into my world now. So I'm going to invite any black people who don't make me choose sides, any white people who don't make me choose sides, anybody who doesn't make me choose sides, I'm going to invite them into my world. And that's a real turning point. And I and that, that's where I like to, I try and hope that people can get to that point where they just don't feel that tug of war anymore. And uh, they get to not keep waiting for that invitation from either side, but sit down and say, do you know what? I'm just gonna work out who I want at my party and I'll invite them. You might only end up with two people, but they'll be the two people who let you be who you are. They will let enough. you be who you are. Because we've already established that race is just a concept, really. It doesn't, you know, it's a tool that was essentially made for something. It doesn't make sense. You couldn't explain it to a kid because they can understand the premise. Okay, you've got different, but they don't understand the difference that comes with that. And I think the trench warfare is a beautiful way of explaining that or a beautiful image because rather than worry about, oh my gosh, there's this big war going on. You have to either dig in and be on this side or dig in and be on this side. No man's land is actually the place to be where it's like, there doesn't need to be a war. Just come up here. I'll accept Hang you out. as you are. You'll accept Hang me out. as I am. And I remember speaking to a, fr uh, a late, but dear, very, very dear friend of mine last year on this topic, because we were discussing how that might be perceived, say, for example, the George Floyd murder might be perceived by someone of color where there's all this anger and there's the perception of this has been done by a white man to a black person, white, bad, black, good. And that's, let's say, the general narrative and how that feels when you identify with both. And you might feel this anger, but it's not the anger in the way that a lot of other people are feeling it and expressing it. And there's a whole narrative that goes around that, but, but we won't, we can't, we cannot go into it. I would love to, but I respect your time too much. So what I will do is firstly transition into our 
closing questions yeah yeah before we then sum up and, and finish yep. up but whoo what a whirlwind what a roller coaster oh, i'm so loving this i'm so loving this uh, yvonne <laughs> i was about to start again i'm terrible for that i'm terrible for that i won't i'll go to the actual questions i'll stick to script for now what's the best thing about being black are you asking me yes indeed quick fire what's the best thing about being black about me however you interpret the question Okay, Ooh, that's a difficult one because I used to identify as black. I used to. Um, I did identify as black until about four years ago when I joined a, a professional black organization. And um, it was made very clear that they didn't see me as black and that I, it, was not, it, was no, it wasn't a viable identity in that, in that group there was too much suspicion because I was mixed race and uh, hostility as well. And I thought, wow, okay, right. I need to, I need to think about this, you know, and, and it kind of made me think about something I've struggled with my whole life, which is why I started writing was that that's not a viable identity for me. I, I've tried to make it. I wanted it to be, it doesn't mean I'm not going to fight for black people anymore. It doesn't mean I'm not going to, be be an ally but it kind of suddenly repositioned me that experience like <laughs> just like um yeah I, I think that hurled me into no man's land that experience I was like projected into no man's land by that experience but I'm I'm okay with that now it's it's I, I'm I'm better for it I'm better for it so it's not a question I can answer anymore I would have answered it before, but I, it's not a question I, I could answer now because it's not how I identify. So I have to be honest. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and on to the second quickfire question, which is who taught you how to shave? Shave? Shave what? <laughs> shave what okay. i stay out like, of it <laughs> i stay out what? of it okay it so okay i can you. answer that on so many levels I, yeah. sh I i can shave my own hair every now and then i go mad cut my hair off and shave my own hair off um i have gone very french I don't shave my armpits anymore okay um i i shave my legs in the summer who taught me to shave though nobody i would say nobody no one. <laughs> and what book or resource, I should say, what resource do you hope people still use 100 years from now? Just books. Any just in books particular? That you, just books, books that you can pick up and hold and turn the pages and read. I, I would hate that for there to be um, a world without books. I, I have a, just books i have a great love of books as well so yeah I, I hope so too. yeah and the final quick fire question is what do you wish more men talked about oh i think um fatherhood fatherhood the, the father-son relationship 
I think we could sort out so many of the world's problems if if people could just get real about the father-son relationship and how difficult it is and how much trauma it causes. That makes me really sad. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> that just made me really sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Father-son relationship. Yeah. I think... I think it's it is a, a sad observation, if you will, that a lot of people don't address it or speak on it. But I also am very optimistic in that, especially with this current generation, I think there's a lot more people being vocal about wanting to improve yeah. some of those elements and taking yeah. action. And I think also yeah. a lot of new fathers seem to really be focused on wanting to have a different and much more positive experience. And that's definitely something that we've seen emerge from the conversations we've had in here. Like they want to have a very good, positive experience with their children going forward. And they want to actively be involved in making sure that they come out not just as strong and all this, but as very healthy, loving, expressive people as well which is so I think it's sad but there is cause for optimism yeah I think so I think so. fantastic and oh I don't even know how to sum up how amazing you are Yvonne I honestly don't <laughs> I don't <laughs> I'm usually very good at wrapping all this up but I am just I am in awe I am so grateful that you are here I'm so extremely excited that you get to do your thing i'm extremely envious of your clients and anyone who's in a room where you get to lecture and express some of these thoughts i'm extremely grateful also that you found this area or you navigated to this area of research in particular because it is such an important concept idea experience for a lot of people present company included and to have someone who is I think as caring as you and as I want to say enthusiastic and exciting as you help people navigate through that it's it's just beautiful to know that you're there and I hope more than anything that this encourages a lot of young men young women even kids who might listen to this to consider how you can shape your life in a very positive way and make a big difference in the world and in other people's lives. And you can go through a lot of things and still come out of it really okay and radiating <laughs> love for the whole world to enjoy. And that's all I've been feeling ever since I think we got in touch and given how much you've shared, I'm sure that's gonna come across to anyone who's listening to this. More importantly as well, for people who would like to stay connected, to hear what you're doing, what research you're up to, where else you're speaking. What's the best way for them to connect? And I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn a lot, which I think is where you found me. Yes. Um, so the, the, my fate, I'm, I'm not a Twitterer. Um, I, I, I hate Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn is the best place. And I'll always, if I'm doing something or I've written something, when this goes out and you share it and then I'll share it. So LinkedIn is the best place absolutely the best place fantastic i can't thank you enough for your time and for sharing so openly honestly and richly oh we've been everywhere and i have so much more <laughs> i want to ask and say but i won't <laughs> i will say i may be in bristol at some point 
uh, visiting family. If I ever am, I would definitely be giving you a shout. And please feel free to do the same if you're ever in Manchester. Oh, oh my, you're from, you're in Manchester. Indeed. Oh, my best friend's from Manchester. My best oh. friend's from Manchester. Shout yeah. Out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Bristol, yeah. Let me know if you're coming down, definitely. It'd be, it'd be lovely to meet up. Yeah, I don't think I'll be getting up to Manchester because she's she's in Bristol. Ah, okay. Yeah, she's it's in Bristol. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's on you. I don't drive, so, you know, it's going to take me a long time to walk to Manchester. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. There's a, there's a great place to eat in Bristol called Caribbean Crawl. It's the best uh, Jamaican food, the best Caribbean food. Um, I used to live right around the corner from there. So yeah, do that. But I just wanted to say thank you so much. I never know what to expect from these things. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You know, just, just go with it. And the minute we started talking, well, we started laughing before we started talking. Yeah. I thought it's going to be fine. If, if people laugh, I'm kind of like, it's going to be fine. I think your initiative is amazing. The things that you're doing, you're going hiking in Snowdon. I can't believe that. I think you're incredibly brave. And it's a shame I didn't meet Ray. And, yeah. and I was like, oh, that would have been fun. Like, but actually sometimes things are meant to be the way they're meant to be. Yeah. I think I, you did great. Yes. I think I we think did we well. Did. And I think it just means that there's got to be part two. <laughs> well yeah i mean yeah if you, if you want to talk some more stuff maybe in the new year let me know but whatever happens keep in touch absolutely keep in yeah. touch and happy brownie making i'm, I'm really you. envious <laughs> happy cooking and just stay blessed stay amazing and thank you so much thank you dear listener for staying to the end i know you got amazing value out of it so until next time remember it's good and it's important that you are here i'm extremely glad that yvonne was with us here today hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating don't forget to follow like share and connect with us on instagram facebook and linkedin subscribe to our latest episode and listen to any you missed and tune in next episode Take care.